With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's Monday, I'm in the mothership as you can see, it's the Monday Club and it's the day after, the day before, another post-mortem coming up, but I'm joined as ever by resident rascal Russell Boyce and the amazing Amy Canavan. How are you doing guys, you alright? Yes, Tony mate, all good. Cool, right, now we'll just launch straight into it, Amy, a derby defeat, another one sadly, I think my overriding emotion is that it was a disappointment. I'm not too despondent, but I do think that Rangers were there for the taking yesterday and sadly Celtic just failed to do that. Uh, now, Russell was on the bulletin yesterday, the after-match bulletin, so I'll come to you first, Amy, and you can give me your thoughts and see where you think Celtic go from here. The initial reaction, similar to yourself, I'm not overly disappointed. Um, or well, I or that's wrong. I'm disappointed, but I'm not overly disheartened. Um, I think Rangers definitely were there for the taking yesterday. There's no denying that. Um, especially in that first 45, a more clinical Celtic or a more clinical side put away some of those chances. But it's hard to remain too too disheartened around it. Because it's all about the reaction now. Um, and it is about looking forward. You have to really take that after any defeat. But I think now more than ever, a lot was learned yesterday. A lot of lessons were learned. Um, and Ange Postacoglu has, has came out himself and, and admitted that from here on, there's maybe some things that he would have done differently. Um, but the, the defeat in isolation isn't the worst. We were toe-to-toe with Rangers. I think it was a very open game. Um, there wasn't a lot in between the sides it's fine margins which I know always sort of comes into play but it wasn't if you look back on the defeats last season um, I think that after January the, the the game at the new year I think we were probably the more dominant but other than that it was a, it was a few scalpings last season that was not a scalping yesterday it wasn't a hiding um, and Celtic were certainly there in the, in the opening 45 for sure but like I say it's, it's the reaction now that is the most important um, the it's on the park and off the park. What goes on off the park? There's less than 48 hours now, of course, of a transfer window left. Business has to be brought in. Um, I think more than anything, yesterday was a, a glaring example of the lack of squad depth that Celtic has. Um, and, you know, you were looking at the turning to the, the bench. And there wasn't really a lot of options. I think the most positive was, was Tom Rogic, which eventually came on. That's something else we can dissect later, how late those substitutions did come. Um, I think there's also a glaring example that the the time is done for, for Albion Ayeti. You know, 
Celtic were in need yesterday of, of some attacking options and, and he wasn't called upon. You're bringing on Sorrow beforehand. Is Sorrow really the option you want to be bringing on with however long, what was it, was it 20 minutes left by the time he came on? It's not really the option that you're looking for. You're needing a bit of creativity and you're looking for a defensive mid. There's a lot to take from yesterday, um, but it's by no means does this mean that anything's over. I think it's sobering um, to maybe just bring everybody a little bit back down to earth that this rebuild, this rebirth, whatever it may be under Andrew Postacoglu isn't going to happen overnight. It is going to take time um, and Celtic will be far better suited come um, come Rangers coming to, to Celtic Park in a, in a few months' time. Now the strap line says Russell Celtic show green shoot. Shoots of progress as Ange loses his first derby. Now, we spoke last night on the phone and Ange has kind of held his hand up and said he called it wrong by not playing Kyogo through the centre. And he kind of accommodated Edward, I felt, and also maybe accommodated a shape that he felt worked for the last half an hour in Alkmaar. Kind of went with the same kind of, uh, same kind of team and same kind of formation. But he said after the game that he should probably have played Kyogo through the centre. Now, whilst that's refreshingly honest, it's probably his way of apologising to the Celtic supporters without actually saying the word sorry, but also thinking that will never happen again. I'll go with, because in the back of his mind, he kind of knew that Kyogo's more effective through the middle, like most Celtic supporters did. It maybe went against his own thinking in order to accommodate Edward and tried something, but it didn't work but it didn't work in the first 45 minutes, so maybe he could have made that change earlier because he took him up to, what, 67 minutes before Tom Rodgick and Sorrell came on, as Amy's just said there. Now, hindsight's a great thing, revisionism's a great thing. That's not a criticism of Ange before anybody starts wading in. That's what the manager has admitted himself, Russell. So we are kind of agreeing with the manager on that one, aren't we? Yes, and Ange takes responsibility, Tony. Why are we not allowed to say Ange is responsible as well? It is very, very simple. Um, I think Amy's talking about reactions. I think, you know, when we when Hugo made his debut, Tynecastle came in off the left. Um, after that, he was played through the middle. We won five matches in a row. Let's get Hugo back to the middle and let's look for a similar reaction to that defeat at Tynecastle. Another five, six wins on the bounce. It might take more than that, who knows? But it'd be a great way to react to what is a disappointing result, ultimately. At the end of the day, though, I mean, I felt last year at times we were miles off it. Didn't feel as though we were miles off Rangers. I didn't actually think either side particularly impressed, if I'm being honest. You haven't watched the, the highlights back. I didn't think, and I, you know, I didn't think Rangers were any great shakes either. They covered themselves in glory by any means, but they got the job done, we didn't. And that's what it's all about sometimes. I think also, you're absolutely right with the AZ comment, Tony. I feel as though there was a bit of like, you know, that we the last half hour in, in, in the Netherlands, okay, it worked out for us, but we still a defeat. But albeit we, we won the tie because we only lost 2-1. But I think he definitely re- reverted back to what he did in the last half hour of there and almost pandered to that in a way. There's no way I think Ange deep down would have genuinely, I think he would have been struggling in his mind over, you know, I do what I did in AZ because we're playing a similar quality side, you know, for the last half hour against AZ, I mean. Do we do that again because Rangers are of a similar quality to AZ Altmar? Or do I go with my gut instinct and go back to Kyogre through the middle that's devastated teams in Scotland so far? Unfortunately, he went for the, the, the option that he recently did against AZ for the last 30 minutes, and it backfired. All you know, all captured in one moment where Kyogo's the guy putting it on a plate to Edward, when realistically, the guy you want receiving that ball is Kyogo, such as the goal-scoring form that he's in. Yeah, and I've touched upon it before about the, clinic, the clinical element to Kyogo's game, and maybe and if he'd have looked up and had a bit more ice in his veins, he would have saw that Christie was in line for a tap-in. You know, and then the second one after that, he squared it when he maybe should have shot. And I get strikers are that way inclined, but you know, that that was another thing. That was an observation about Kyogo. It wasn't a criticism, but it came to light in those moments, Amy, in that game at Ibrox where, you know, he's crashed one and it's hit the goalkeeper's foot. And by the way, this is also a goalkeeper who was relatively inexperienced 
and I think that was Celtic's first shot on target, or first shot at goal, to test the goalkeeper on 68 minutes. Now I ask you in a role reversal, if Barkas or Bain are in between the sticks, Celtic yesterday, do you think Rangers would have waited to 68 minutes to test them? You know, so there's all sorts of things that could have, should have happened, but didn't. But I think, you know, 68 minutes for their first shot on target against a relatively inexperienced Rangers goalkeeper says a lot, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think all credit does have to go to, to Robin McGrory. I, th- I watched him in, in Europe as well the other night, and I think he stepped up well. It's not easy boots to fill. Um, he does obviously have the Premier League experience, or the Premiership experience, sorry, from, from being at Livingston. Had a pretty successful loan there. Um and I watched quite a bit of him struggled against Celtic, mind you, a few times. But he wasn't, as you say, he wasn't tested enough yesterday. Um, but in the similar light, Joe Hart wasn't tested that much yes. either. Um, in a game where, you know, a lot was riding, there was so much talk about it, so much predictions as to, you know, what was happening with the COVID side of Rangers, what was happening at Celtic, that Celtic were scoring six against this side, six against that side or whatever. I don't think anybody predicted that Celtic wouldn't score, especially into Robbie McGrory as well. But, you know, there was this sort of mindset, really, that Kyogo has to run ragged against Balogun and Kent will run ragged against Ralston. Neither of that happened, you know. I think I think both Ralston was one of Celtic's better players, and Balligan was arguably one of um, Rangers' better players as well, considering the test that he had. I think perhaps this is probably won't go down well, especially after a few things yesterday. But I think Taylor was perhaps a miss. Juranovic was definitely, you know, he, he played well and he came in and had a, a a pretty decent debut, a solid debut. I think that natural left footer was missing. Um, I think Juranovic sometimes the play was slowed unintentionally but it's just getting it onto the, the better foot perhaps Kyle go in front of him as well it wasn't the, the best partnership but I think Celtic looked to have a lot of joy down that left hand side especially with it being Balogun um, as, as the opposition but nothing really came to, to sorts there and like I say I'm not trying to because Juranovic did have a, a decent and a very solid solid debut but and no through, through no fault of his own I think we suited that left footer down there so I, I agree with Amy in terms of I thought Celtic's three best players were Ralston, Juranovic and Starfelt. He was having his best game in a Celtic jersey because he actually liked the physical combat. He didn't have to think too much yesterday. He was up against Ruth and Morelos and he dealt with that really, really well, I thought. Question marks about the goal, about who was picking up. Look, most people are saying that Welsh was picking up uh, Helander or was supposed to. But again, it ended up with Starfelt being the nearest one to him and losing out in the jump. You know you know my thoughts on defence. See if there's big guys coming in to head the ball into your net. Do you want to block the run or just match it or someone take responsibility? You know, and I know I, I've only I've only seen the goal once in the replay and I wasn't con- and I uh, not so much I wasn't concentrated, I was concentrated, but I just saw Starfelt, you know, being beaten in the jump in the end product. Now, because he, he was the closest man, but if it's Welsh's man, then something has to be done. There has to be some form of communication there between the two of them. But yep. it, as, you, as we say, block the run. Don't let them get the header. You know, it's it's not about winning the header. If you can go and win the header, win the header, contest it. But you can block the run, make sure they don't get anywhere near it. You know, the, and these are just basic bread and butter goals that Celtic keep losing. Lost the same one to Hearts in the opening day of the season lost another one again and they've lost a game, which is now two out of four league games that they've lost and two out of four league games, which, to my mind, were winnable. I absolutely agree with that as well. Firstly, on Starfelt, I mean, we spoke about for adapting for him, it was always going to be quite a difficult, you know, to expect instant results from Starfelt. I mean, he's Swedish, coming from the Russian Premier League to Scotland. But I also happen to think, the more I've thought about it is, the style of football we play, has he ever at any level been playing in a team that gets, say, 70-80% possession, if not more in some game? Uh, uh, you know, you look at the 2 6 0 wins, for example. We've had a lot of the ball, and then you see maybe the sort of lack of, you know, you know the, I don't know, the, the style of play he's got sometimes looks uncomfortable with the ball at his feet. Yesterday, when it's a sort of even contest, and it's very much about win your battles, 
I actually think he was far better suited to that, and I totally agree with you. I thought it was Carol Starfelt's best display so far yeah. in, a, in a Celtic jersey because I think the role of defending suits Carol Starfelt a lot better than being you know, a ball-playing centre half for 80% of the ball. That's something you'll get used to, though, I'm sure, in time. And actually might become a nice novelty. Um, but just right now, I think he's just taking a wee bit longer to adapt to that because it's maybe not... He's never been in that type of team before, but they've been so dominant in, you know, in a lot of the home matches. Obviously, you need to look at the league record as well, though, whilst I'm saying that. You know, conversely, we've lost two out of four league matches now, which isn't the ideal start. Two big tests, right enough. There's no two ways about it. I think Arthur, Ibrox are two of the hardest grounds we're going to go to this season. Of that, there can be no doubt at all. But what I do think is... From a confidence perspective, it would have been brilliant if we hadn't lost either of those games. Do you know what I mean? And the players took no more from it than no points at all. I just wonder, our next away domestic match, no matter who it's against, becomes a wee bit trickier in the mind because of the two defeats, you know, where we picked up even a point in each of those games. You know what I mean? The, the confidence and momentum builds for that next away domestic fixture. Right now we go in it into with maybe slightly more trepidation than we would have liked. Um, it's all learning curves right now at the end of the day. Um, we were told it would take a season for Angie's methods to be implemented. Um, obviously, I've, I've pushed back on that. You don't get that at Celtic. You will not get that. But what we did then maybe we're guilty of thinking was jumping too far the other way and thinking he's already got the methods implemented in a few weeks. Well, it's clearly not yet. Not yet. Um, I thought the team looked extremely uncomfortable at times when they were passing it around at the edge of the box. The amount of times the ball seemed to sort of gravitate towards the corner. Our, 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 our own corner flag was yep. baffling with the atmosphere that you touched on in the phone to me last night, Tony, of that 50,000 baying crowd, you know what I mean? Baying for blood and all the ooze, all the eyes. It just seemed unnecessary for me at times. And I think there has to be a wee bit of adapt in there. Um, because I just don't see any, I didn't see any gains. We once we strung six, seven passes, then that was about as far as it got, and then we gave the ball away. But when you're trying to play out from the back like that, you're giving the ball away in the final third at times, or at least in your own half. I find that unnecessary in this uh, that that sort of match. And I think at times we could be doing, we giving ourselves a helping hand by playing longer balls out from the goalkeeper there. Well, certainly, they don't need to be balls that are square from your goalkeeper to your centre-back, square balls from your six-yard line. Doesn't work with me. Now, I mean, I get that we're still very much a work in progress and there is green shoots of recovery and, and progress being made. I'm, I'm very much aware of that and we are just reacting to what we see in the here and now and in a few months' time and even by the end of this window, Celtic will be better because they'll probably strengthen. But... I agree with Russell. At times yesterday, we were forced back into our own corner. See if we were going to play with Kyogo and Abada out wide. Did you not think that at least play the ball into those channels, if not a direct pass to the to the player, play the ball into those channels and let them stretch their legs because they will catch the ball. You know, at no time did I see Celtic do that. You know, at any stage in that match. Just play it over the top into a channel and maybe let Kyogo use his speed. He got past his man once and set up the chance for Eddie. Abada, I don't think, got past his man at all. People can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I don't remember seeing him doing that. Or else any ball that was hit to Abada seemed to be over his head, which was meat and drink to his marker. You know, so if you're going to play with kind of those two guys out wide, you either have to get the ball out wide to their feet or you have to play it over the top and into channel for them to run onto. But at, at no stage did Celtic do that, you know? Well, for starters, I certainly don't want to see Kyogo out there. Um, no, I don't either. Um, but you're spot on in what you see. How many times have we already seen, you know, Kyogo likes to, to run at the man, yeah. drag defenders away, create space for others. You give him a ball to latch onto it and there's a fairly good, decent chance that he's, he's at least going to match it or win a corner out of it at, at worst case scenario. There's avenues there that they just really weren't even crossed upon yesterday. Abada was total ghost to the game. That could have been because he wasn't getting the service that he desired. But I think then that's an issue from the, the midfield. I thought Celtics, in an odd way, I thought Celtics midfield was actually okay yesterday. Like the sitting back, defending well. But it was almost the bypassing that 
David Turnbull wasn't getting out to Abadzai, wasn't getting the ball out to Kyogo. Edward wasn't even really getting in in that much action. If anything, you saw them having to drop deep. Um, and that's not, you don't want to be seeing Kyogo have to be, you know, surfacing around the, the halfway line to try and get in on the act. That's not where he's going to be having his, his greatest impact. So there's issues there, but that's a, that's a different issue that David Turnbull again really didn't turn up and I don't want to criticise him too much but that's two big games in a, in a row that have totally and utterly bypassed him um, so far he's not been this big time big game player um, domestically he's shining I don't know what's quite going wrong with the psyche there I think that could be looked across part of the whole time, team yesterday I think was there seven debutants for that fixture yesterday is it six six first making their first um, appearance in, in the derby but the psyche was all wrong as well and I know that's maybe looking into it a bit too much but I just didn't feel that there was enough coming out of that Celtic side having the confidence even um, to to have that belief to go and score considering how many goals have already been scored and that the whole philosophy really behind Angeball as well if you score we're at least going to score more there wasn't really that and of course there's a fine margin of Edward that has to be a goal you know no matter how much money Edward's worth or whatever it will be that we sell him for that is um, that should that should be a goal for, for, for any striker and if you are really altering your lineup around this man pretty much getting him in the shop window. He has to be putting those chances away. His body positioning is wrong for starters. That's how he scuffs it with his with his heel, really. But he's taking it with the wrong foot. That should never be getting taken um, with the right. It's, it's the left across all day long. So it's that final margin that has to be a goal. And we can obviously look into the Kyogo chances later on. Russell's already touched upon it. I think it was almost that, oh, I better try and give one back to Ryan Christie after not giving it back the first time, you know, when he should have should have had the shot. But if you're playing him through the middle, it's not going to be taken until whatever minute that was for him to be having those chances. You're going to have had 80 minutes, 90 minutes of him having those amount of chances. It's little things like that. But um, of course, the defining point really is that Edward opportunity. Is, there are fine margins and big moments in games, Russell, and that Edward chance is, you know, was a defining moment yesterday. But also as well, the fact that it took Ange to 70, 67, 68 minutes to put Kyogo through the middle, you know, because he was pretty ineffective, because he wasn't getting the ball, he was coming deep, you know, and, and it, it led to a malaise in his game because some of his layoffs weren't perfect either, you know. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's what I was watching before MDC's all, you know, I know he's effective through the middle. Every Celtic supporter knows that he's quite devastating. And what happened? What was the first thing that happened when he went through the middle? He went through in on goal and Robbie McCrory made that save, didn't he? Yep. But seconds after Roger came on, and as Amy said, that's 68 minutes, 67, 68 minutes. You could have had that for that hour and a bit happening. No, mm-hmm. repeatedly. You know, so we, we get back to it and not being revisions, but if the manager kind of thought that beforehand, then, you know, he has to sort of say, right, from now on in, this man plays through the middle because you will render him ineffective if you play him out wide. And that's the point. You see, Celtic couldn't afford to have a player like Kyogo rendered ineffective for almost 70 minutes of that game, or three quarters of that game, which he was. No, you're spot on, Tony. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's quite ironic because we've... You know, sort of been saying for a long time now that we wanted Ange to adapt. Right? <laughs> I actually think Ange should have went with the strength of his convictions <laughs> and played the team because at the end of the day, based his team on a team that lost a football match but won a tie, but they yeah. lost. Right? Yeah. I know he showed up in that last half hour. That's what he's based on. Fair enough. But I actually wish he just he ignored any advice that we've ever been trying to give on this show and just went for went for Kyogo through the middle. And, you know, went for the bonkers ball at Ibrox. I would think it would have worked. You know, I really do. I, you've seen the opportunities Kyogo created for, you know, for us in the, in the 22 minutes that he was he was playing through the middle. Final decision-making, yes. We know it's almost comical that he's laid it off for Christie when he should have shot and vice versa with the other opportunity. But you can't deny, that was Kyogo actually as well. Remember having run his legs off for over an hour of football. Imagine him from minute one playing through yeah. the middle when he's at his devastating best, you know, he's completely fresh. 
Wow, I think I think you know you, we could have we could have had joy. Uh, you you can put your house on it. You'll play through the middle the next time we play them. Uh, you know that's an absolute guarantee. With regards to Edward, well, he's took his eye off the ball, hasn't he? And it's just as simple as that. In more ways than one, he has took his eye off the ball. Um, it's someone who's fully focused, fully bought into the cause. Someone who is desperate to score that goal doesn't miss. You know, it's it's. There's still, to me, I felt a casualness about how he's uh, took that opportunity. Not, you know, I know a different type of opportunity, but reminded you of the opportunity I had at Ibrox uh, last season where what he went for seemed bizarre. That there, I mean, Amy's absolutely spot on. It's left foot all day of the week. Um, I don't understand why he's tried to let it come across his body. And then he's, you know, as I say, he's not, he's not paying attention enough because if you're following that, you know, properly, you could still score it with your right foot. Anyone could have scored it. I don't, you know, that misses came back and bit us. And it actually becomes now very poignant in the fact that his inclusion becomes so crucial by starting Edward Kyogo. Didn't play up through the middle, he played on the left. And therefore, when the opportunity presented itself to Edward, that is where that decision comes becomes scrutinised. Do you know what I mean? And, and we're not... We're not saying Ange got everything wrong yesterday. There was there was positives to take from the game, but that glaring miss makes the inclusion of Edward through the middle instead of Kyogo look worse, undoubtedly. Naomi, you touched on it there about Turnbull eh, maybe not being the big game player that everybody thinks he is. You know, I I think Turnbull's a wonderful footballer, but there are question marks now about that big game temperament. But also as well, people were saying that Ryan Christie's never ever really had a a great game against Rangers. Now that's you can argue the toss on that. But Russell spoke off Cameron said, but it's not through the lack of trying. I think Christie was our best of the midfielders yesterday, arguably. Cal Mack is possibly as well. But you know, basically you had a Bada anonymous, Turnbull anonymous and Eddie Anonymous, which is a major functioning part of your team. You know, you can't have those guys not taking part. And Kyogo rendered ineffective because of the position or the role he was asked to play for three quarters of the game. So these are big players that you need to perform in order to go and win those matches. But the midfield was a worry for myself personally. You know, I think Callum McGregor at every opportunity was snuffed out by Kent. Kent had been... Uh, deployed to shut him down every time he picked the ball. So McGregor couldn't function as that, you know, looking up every time and trying to be on the front foot because he was continually, he had a presence beside him and he was aware of that. And I get that. That's what that's what teams are going to do if he's going to play this further back, quarter back, pivot role and stuff like that. But you have to be able to combat that too. But you have to look to your other midfielders to diggy out and I think Turnbull's free kick that he tried to score from with a woeful effort was just microcosmic of his game mm-hmm. and his mindset that he just didn't contribute much to the cause and I think when that happens it, it was a malaise that affected that whole kind of midfield I, I I think you know Abada wasn't at it Christie was kind of at it but not as much as he should have been Turnbull was definitely not at it, and Callum McGregor was too busy trying to, you know, ward off the attentions of Kent. So it was a it was a problem, you know, for Celtic all afternoon. I think yesterday, I think in the first half, I was really impressed by Callum McGregor, um, and I actually think he was probably the best player on the on the park. I think he really is thriving in that, let's say, that deeper role, that number six role, dictating play, and I think it shows us all his strengths that he can afford to do it by himself. He doesn't need, you know. Uh, a Scott Brown beside them. He doesn't need even mm. David Turnbull to sit deeper. Doesn't need James McCarthy. That being said, I thought Thursday night actually was a perfect game for James McCarthy when we needed that sense of cover. But when you're going out in the attack, Callum McGregor is more than able, more than comfortable to be sitting that deep, which then does allow David Turnbull or Ryan Christie, Tom Rogic, whoever it may be in front of him to be that little bit more creative. I think the issue with David Turnbull is, and I said that a few weeks ago, so I can't quite remember, but Yes, he's 22, but he doesn't have the amount of appearances that you'd expect a 22-year-old to have. You know, when you look at Kieran Tierney at 22, that he was over 150 appearances, whatever it was, it was crazy numbers. David Turnbull's done definitely not even at 100 
professional appearances in his career, which is quite mental considering how early he came on his career. Um, he did miss a season of football, Amy, you know what I mean, with injuries. So. That's, that's, that's exactly my point. So that although he's 22, he doesn't have the catalogue of experience or the backlog of experience you'd actually really maybe think that he would. Um, and a lot has been put on his plate. So I'm trying to defend him here that he does ultimately he does have to start stepping up in these um, in these bigger occasions and, and that is why he was signed because he was spotted as one of you know we keep talking about why do Celtic not look within their own league they're not looking right on in the back garden as to who they should be bringing in that's why they brought in David Tumble because they pinpointed him as one of the better players in the SPFL same way that right now we're looking at why, why or we're questioning why aren't Celtic looking at Ali McCann sort of thing but Tumble doesn't have the total wealth of experience that we may be just assume he does because he's 22, which does seem young, but it's not really considering how long the name has been floating around. So it does take time. He is due a big performance, absolutely, but I think a little bit of slack does need to be cut considering just what all he's really been been through. And as for Ryan Christie, you know, I think not just Celtic fans, football fans can be a little bit fickle. Here we were last week saying, you know, chuck a deal, any deal at Ryan Christie, this is the best bit of business mm-hmm. that could be doing other than Kyogo this season. Get this man in. There's four assists. There's, there's this, that and whatever. It was a below a below par, below average performance from Christy yesterday. Absolutely. But I don't think it wasn't for the want of trying. You looked at him when it should have, when Kyogo should have, you know, squared the ball to him. He was livid. And I think that was the theory God was installed into Kyogo that God, I better give him the ball next time. Um <laughs> And there's this little madman, but I think I still think we should a deal should be offered for Christie. I'd be I would be gutted if if he was to go in these next two days. Um, Edward, on the other hand, I think his head's gone, but I think there is still a little bit of Christie that he is a bit invested in Ange Ball. He can see where this team's going. He sees where he is in this team. Maybe Edward doesn't really see where he where he is in this side. Um, although it's all on him to make himself visible in the side. But Christine knows the role that he can play, the impact that he can have in this team. And I think he would be a hell of a loss compared to Edward. No, I, I agree with that. I just think Christie had a bad day at the office yesterday. You know, just yeah. people are pointing out that it happened to be against Rangers again. But that's fair enough. But he wasn't alone. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And having a bad day at the office yesterday, you know, so, you know, you can't pinpoint, I'm not pinpointing the blame on him, I'm just sort of saying that we had too many players that didn't perform or underperformed. You know, and you can't go to iBooks and underperform because if you go and underperform, then you get what's coming to you. And that's what happened yesterday, you know. And whilst there wasn't much between the sides and Rangers didn't overperform, 
he still somehow found a way to win without having mm-hmm. too many efforts on goal, which was kind of deja vu, the same kind of game when Callum scored the own goal, when he never actually yep. had a, an effort on target. So somehow at this moment, Rangers have a wee hex on Celtic because that's the last seven uh, Celtic Rangers matches that Celtic have failed to win. So before it goes any further, it's something they need to address. You know, and I'm, I'm sure Ange will address it and I'm sure the team will be much stronger and better by the time uh, Rangers visit Celtic Park. But you deal with the here and now. And I just think it was an opportunity for Celtic yesterday to, to actually go to Ibrooks and win and, and they passed it up, which is why I think it's so disappointed. Yeah, you're spot on, Tony. I mean, seven games now without a win. You look at Rangers' performance yesterday themselves and you think that was an opportunity they missed. And the thing is with that as well is obviously Rangers will not play that poorly in the next one. So the challenge to actually stop the rot of this sequence is actually going to be a, a tougher thing to do in the next match because they will play better than that. I've got no yeah. doubt of my mind at all. Um, I think as well, with you know when you look at Rangers get the job done and the narrative has been so far this season wave of positivity with Celtic and a wave of negativity towards Rangers. I spoke about how I felt the pendulum was sort of swinging towards Celtic and going into the fixture. Well, it's just as quickly swung right back to the lane now. Um, and the thing is as well with that is the fact of the matter is the, the Rangers have been knocked out of the Champions League, so have Celtic. Rangers have qualified for Europa League, so have Celtic. You know, Rangers have won their League Cup match, so have Celtic. And now Rangers are three points ahead of Celtic in the league um, because, you know, they've only lost one match, we've lost two. So, in actual fact, when you just look at the look at it on paper, they're actually having a better start to the season than we have. Although, as we alluded to yesterday in the show, we know there's, a, you know, so much more to it than just those simple numbers. Do you know what I mean? Um, I hope the players aren't overly disheartened with yesterday. I think they just need to sort of pick themselves up um, quickly and get back to business, doing what they were doing right, doing what they were doing well. Get Kyogo back up top. As you know, It sounds very simplistic, me saying that. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. And that's why I'm not a football manager. But I do believe that we we just need to dust ourselves down and, and you know take whatever positives you can from the game and move on quickly because if you get bogged down with hexes, sequences of seven matches not being a, not winning away from home in the league, these things can start a snowball and become, you know, mental oh. barriers. They don't really need to. At the end of the day, Rangers had already won the last six, or not won the last six, but were unbeaten in the last six going into yesterday. No one should be overly surprised that that run was extended to seven. It's not the end of the world. No, I'm, I'm yep, I get what you're saying. Amy, I also think that from where Celtic have come in the last four weeks, under Ange, you know, from, from getting knocked out of the Champions League to Mitchelland, they are unrecognisable. So I do, and I go up to the strap line again, there is green shoots of progress there, you know, regardless of losing the first RP, but you can see what's trying to be implemented here. It is a work in progress and we are getting better and you do believe that with the right personnel, Celtic could achieve something under Ange. You know, so that that I accentuate those positives. It was just a, a missed opportunity yesterday, I think you'll find. But we, I wish that it wasn't the international break because I think response to this is, you know, important. You know, and as you said, Russell, try and go on a kind of a winning sequence again and a winning run. But I wanted the response to be immediate. We now have a couple of weeks to stew on or certainly a few days to stew on the events of this and we'll pick the bones over it many more times. You know, but I would have loved them to just have a game straight away, like a midweek, and get it out of their system. You know, but sadly, as I say, it's the international break. And I think that would be a source of frustration for the players as well, and the manager possibly, Amy. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head like anything. You just want to come back, get that reaction on the part, and, and put what was done wrong right. Um, it is a long time to, to mull it over. I think as well, this game came a lot quicker in the season than anything else. I think last season had we played it was seven or nine games. It was a it was a much longer run before facing Rangers as well. This is you know so still new, but where um, where Celtic have came from to to where they are now in the past 
however many weeks Ange Postacoglu has been in or however long since the, the Michelin defeat, if you're looking at a month or something like that. The strides are there um, and it's clear on the part, the confidence is there. This was a massive week. You know, if you look back to this time last week, we were saying that this is one of the biggest tests. Well, it's the biggest test so far in, in Postacoglu's reign. It's not totally came off the way that we were hoping, but um, the, the positive signs are there. And as we keep alluding to, it wasn't a million miles off yesterday. It was a very toe-to-toe match. It was a game of two halves, really. I think Celtic dominated the first half and, and Rangers were definitely the better in the second. Without Celtic being the better in the first half, without really probably having anything too clear-cut or being in the right place at the right time, anything you want like that. But going toe-to-toe with Rangers, and I'm not having it, you know, Rangers, obviously, they were missing out. Tavernier and McGregor, but other than that, it wasn't, Perhaps Calvin Bassey, he's been a decent asset so far this season, but it wasn't a completely depleted Rangers side. You know, it was it was a decent strength. So the performance was maybe just a little bit lacking, but there's plenty positives to be taken. And where we came from, from the Michelin defeat or the absolute battering by West Ham, it's um, a, a lot of strides have been made. And like you say, the, this international break has just came at the, the worst time possible. Now, we are making strides, Russell, very much so, but one thing we need to address is conceding sloppy goals or bread-and-butter goals, which is being our undoing yesterday, again. You know, failure to deal with a corner kick, a high ball, same as they did in the opening day of the season against Hearts. Now, you can lay the blame at whoever, Welsh, Starfelt, whatever, but someday our players have to take responsibility, don't they, in these situations, and even though, even if you can't contest the jump, block the run, do whatever it takes for that not to happen. You know, we, we have height presence in there as well, so how can you not contest that? You know, mm-hmm. Rangers dealt with whatever we threw in, corner kick-wise or set-piece-wise, so it can be done. You just have to be a wee bit more switched on and cuter and smarter, you know, or else mm-hmm. we need a dominant centre-half who will contest everything in there, throw, throw himself at everything. Do you subscribe to that or are you quite happy with the defence that we've got moving forward? No, I think you're absolutely right, Tony. I mean, with regards to that, I think there's only so much you can do in the training ground as well. For me, it comes down to sometimes a bit of character. Do you know what I mean? You need to have guys of a mindset, of a state of mind, you know, that actually want to be the, the, you know, the, the dominant force in that box when set pieces are coming in and that they live and breathe for winning these sort of duels, winning these sort of headers. And, you know, you look back, you always, you always harp back to other squads that you try and contrast and compare. And I just felt that Martin O'Neill's team, we had three centre-backs with that exact same mindset. Right now, I'm not convinced we've got someone who is of like of, a, you know, a Yohan Mialbe, Bobo They wanted to put their head on anything, everything. Yeah, yeah. There was a real desire about them. And I think we, we would benefit from having a defender brought in who loves defending? It would be brilliant. And someone that doesn't need a settling in period, because I think Starfelt maybe in time could be that guy. Um, but right now he's trying to adjust to a completely different way of playing football in a completely new environment. So right now the jury will remain out on him for me. Um, I think I think I would like to see someone come in who lives for those set yeah. pieces you're, you're talking about, Tony, whose instinctive movements is to put their head where it hurts. I think that would be good. And I also think, with regards to that, that then rubs off on the rest of the team. People see that in front of them, it can inspire you. It can change your mentality as well. It can make you a braver person. I don't want to question players' bravery and all that, but you know what I mean? Sometimes you just get players that love that sort of, the art of defending. They love putting their head in what they can do, the motivation that that can give others around them. Um, the presence it can give you when you're defending set pieces in the box and you've got that type of player as well. You know, we're not going to be bullied by anyone. You're not going to score soft goals from us, you know, because yada yada's in the team, whoever it may be. I would like to see that happen. How do you eradicate that, Amy? Does it, does it work on the training ground? Does it bring in that dominant centre-half? Or if you're going to stick with the likes of Starfelt and Welsh, just drum it into them till it becomes second angel that you can test everything or you block runs, you be cute, you be smart. Because, you know, it's happened twice already this season in league games, which has cost you all three points. Or cost you a point in, in both matches, you know. 
Well, you've lost them. So. Absolutely. I think there just needs to be, you know, a sound understanding as to what the, the method is. Is it zonal marking or is it man marking? Because I believe yesterday was a bit of a mismatch between the, the both. I'm not a fan of zonal marking. I don't really understand how anyone can find it that successful. You know, it's. I think it just becomes nitpicky. You're like, oh, well, that guy's in your space. I'm in my space it's your fault sort of thing if you know that you're marking your man then and I'm not trying to like get the blame game out then but you just have that one role that one focus point I'm a big believer as well that you should have a man on the post I think that would save so many goals not just for Celtic I don't understand why a lot of teams don't do it anymore I think that it's such an easy resolution but as you touched upon earlier as well you know the big guys running in from defence maybe just try and get a man on him sort of thing it's just it's been Celtic's Achilles heel for so long um, and it brings back you know the the dark days the dog days of last season um, how many goals conceded from, from set plays like that it is a strong header um, I'm not having any of this it's Joe Hart's fault I've seen a few things this morning and last night that Joe Hart should have got a, a bigger hand to it that's, that's not there for me to be honest perhaps he could have organised his defence a little bit better maybe Cal McGregor could have stepped up there as well just an organisational sort of point of view but there's no way that Hart can be to blame for anything like that again it's probably Barisic's only half decent delivery I thought his um, set pieces and crosses were, were woeful yesterday which has been totally to the contrary of what was well what we've become to know in Barisic but perhaps this season he's not quite hit the mark so there's all these little bits as well that, but it's the it's the little moments we're talking about the Edward moment it's the one time Barisic gets a half decent ball in and Hollander's there pretty much unmarked as well um, I think he had a lot of time to rise we're saying it was a powerful header which it was but he had enough time to generate that power and get that jump to, to meet it so it's the little margins but I think fundamentally the, the strategy at the corners needs to just be solidified that's what annoyed me, Russell. It is an Achilles heel, but it's a recurrent theme and it's a recurrent mistake. You know, a recurring mistake, sorry, that, you know, you got a free header, more or less. Now, somebody should be designated to mark, whether it's Welsh or Starfelt. And again, like Amy, I'm no opposed and blame, but you have to take some collective responsibility here, don't you? In the defence and just say, right, I'm picking up the big guy coming in, get the other guy, that's it. You know, you can test that. You and then you see the other players around them if they're running. You know, stop, stop it. You know, it's it. It was a. I'm not saying it was an easy goal to defend, but it, it should have been defended. Yeah, bottom line. You're absolutely right. This has been an issue, I think, for a lot longer than just since Hans came in. For example, you know, I can think back to Brendan Roger, Rogers. You know, I think we went something mad I don't know the exact stat but it was something like 18 to 24 months I think we hadn't scored from a set piece so we're not scoring from them for you know particularly often for the last sort of five six years but we're conceding from them so it's a problem in both areas of the pitch mm. offensively mm. and defensively when you get guys that want to put their head on the end of the ball right and you've got people of that mindset they become pretty handy when you're going mm. in the opposite direction you get corner mm. kicks and free kicks and maybe David Turnbull isn't thinking about taking silly shots at the near post, which was, you know, a dreadful execution of that attempt. And to me, wasn't even imaginative. It was bizarre. But if you've got a focal point in that box where you think, do you know what, put it roughly near him, you'll probably get in the end of it. You don't even attempt that shot. You're wanting to put those balls into the box. But I don't think we score enough from set pieces as much as we concede too many. So it definitely strikes me that it's an issue going on at Celtic that I would like to get as addressed. You're absolutely right. Now, positives from the opening few games. Obviously, Kyogo, and we've touched on him, but uh, he is—he has to be played through the middle now, doesn't he? There is no two ways about it. The manager has to see that he has a lethal striker in Kyogo going through the middle, and he will score a barrel load that way because his speed's frightening. You know, speed and pace is electric. His anticipation's magnificent. And as I've said, he just has to... Know, become a bit more clinical and calm down, as I've said before, in front of goal and choose choose the right option, you know, and be a team player. Uh, you know, so these are all things. But you know, we're we're still excited to see where Celtic can go with Kyogo up top, Amy, don't you think? 
Yes, and you know we know that he should be playing through the middle. And Angelo, he's a guy that signed him. He knows that. <laughs> I think more than anything, as I, as I touched upon earlier, it was like right, Edward, one final swan song in front for you know a for sale sign sort of thing, and just get him in the in the shop window, and it didn't work out. And that's as Russell correctly said as well. It's the one thing he had to do was score, you know. And if you're editing and reshuffling and really forcing out your most effective player out to a wing, out of position to force Edward in, then he has to be scoring those sort of, mm-hmm. of sort of goals. To prove to show that Kyogo was still even to a degree effective out of position shows that how even more effective he could have been if he was in position. And those final twenty minutes where that showed. I think again though it's Again, don't want to be pushing too much criticism on Ange, but he's came out himself and and admitted that it was perhaps the wrong decision. It was the same with the substitutions. The fact that it took a bad until was it the eighty sixth minute for a bad to get substituted off when he'd been a ghost the entire game. That's a bit poor as well. But it's going back to what I touched upon right at the start of the show that it's a lack of squad depth. Depth. Did he see anyone on the bench that he could have brought on to perhaps have an impact? No, clearly not. Mm. That's an issue. So it's all about the reaction going forward. As we say, on the park, it'll be about scoring goals again, getting something going. But off the park, it's what happens today and tomorrow at the end of this window. Because Ange deserves a back and you know, we said this after last week, said that after Thursday, you know, European football until Christmas has been secured. Not many would have actually thought that, especially at the level of the Europa League. But a, a, a well-negotiated tie against AZ Alkmaar obviously led to that. So he needs the back. And he said weeks upon weeks now in post-match interviews, we'll get a few bodies in this week, few bodies in this week. It's been one per week. You know, Juranovic and, and Scales has obviously came in as well recently, but there's still a few bodies short. And if Edward is to go, which certainly looks like he, he is going to be going in the next 48 hours or so, then another striker has to be coming in. We're obviously hopeful for that, but it's because on the flip side... Ayeti has to leave as well because he's obviously not of the standard that Ange wants. Now, Russell, one of those players that possibly be, could be coming in is Celtic have supposedly agreed a fee and a deal for Georges Giacomakis, the Venlo striker who scored 26 goals in the Eredivisie last season for a team that got relegated. Now, if you're scoring 26 goals for a team that got relegated in the Dutch league, as we've just seen with AZ Alkmaar being the third best team in that league, then you're coming with some kind of clout and calibre. So that's a player that would also excite me if Celtic can get that deal over the line. And again, it's obviously somebody who maybe Ange is aware of and wants to bring him in. Absolutely, Tony. I mean, the thing is as well, obviously we're, we're talking about, you know, trying to be positive. The good thing I've seen from Ange, which was the fact that it seemed to get denied by everyone when they were hiring him was he's a smart man that, that will make changes as he sees fit. He will learn from the mistakes yesterday 100%. Yeah. I'm in no doubt about that. You know, I think there was a blind loyalty that was, oh, he doesn't change for anything. He's just, just he's got his principles and he does it that way. The guy that I'm seeing getting interviewed looks extremely switched on and far too switched on um, to be naive enough to not recognise when things haven't went right and, and change them, fix them, sort them, resolve them. Um, Jack Mack is, is someone that I've heard apparently has a pretty poor record other than last season. But for me, you're striking while Sion's hot. The guy's coming here with his confidence levels at an all-time high. He was the top scorer in the Netherlands. The top scorer. You know, I think the second top scorer left PSV Eindhoven for 30 million euros. <laughs> We're getting this guy for two and a half million euros and he scored more goals than him playing in a relegated team. Um, I think it makes complete sense. It's brilliant that we're signing guys as well, you know, at 26 years old that I've obviously, you know, I've seen this yesterday in the studio. You know, you look at the Juranovic signing and think, how come all we were doing before was signing either kids or loan players? If they were mature, they were alone. If they weren't, they were 20 and they were called a project and hope for or someone with resale potential. We're getting guys coming in right now at 26, 27. You know, we're investing good money on them. They're coming in that don't need as much adapting time. They're not a project. They're not just being bought in to resell for big money. Um, they're being brought in for the here and now, and I like that. And Jack Marcus, I mean, we can only look forward to him being presented with opportunities like Edward was yesterday and burying them. That's what we look forward to seeing. I also think that's down to the manager, Russell. The manager's demanding that these players come in he doesn't yep. want youngsters, he doesn't want projects, he doesn't want loans. He wants tried and tested players. 
Yeah. You know, and Jack and Marcus is tried and tested last year. So as you say, there's a an element of striking while the iron's hot and improve his confidence levels. If you're a striker of repute at all, you will score goals at Celtic. I mean, that that's what I think, Amy. You know, yeah. he's bringing in these guys to have their prime years of their career at Celtic. No more mucking about. He wants tried and testing to quote Jim, battle hardened players for every position. Yeah. I think as well with George, I just like to say as well, I think that'll be the fourth 26-year-old we've signed and we've signed two yeah. players 30 or over. There is a shift in the attitude and the yeah. transfer. And, you know, we've got to be positive here, which is, you know, you know, to end the show on a positive note, you've got to give Ange praise for being able to, to make that strategy change in the transfer oh. market. I think we were all a wee bit, you know, exasperated with the loan signings and the uh, and the project sort of sort of player market that we were seeing to be shopping all the time. So kudos for that. You mean I trust Ange and I'm trusting the process. I was just disappointed yesterday because I thought that was an, a glaring opportunity missed to go to Ibrox and lay down a wee marker. That that's all. But I I'm enthused about what the future will be under Ange. I'm enthused about the transfer targets that he's now attempting to bring into the club and has brought into the club. So I, I like most Celtic supporters, yeah, we're in this for the long haul and it's, it's not criticism for criticism's sakes. It's, it's observations on what we think has gone wrong in addressing the here and now, but I still believe in the process. I believe that Ange can be a successful manager for Celtic and I don't believe he'll be a successful manager next season. I believe he can be a successful manager this season for Celtic because I think is what Russell says, he'll do everything he can to get it right. Which is why we're crying out for, you know, that over these next two days, whoever he really wants, let's let's throw the let's throw it at them because he needs the investment. It's so clear to see because we keep coming back to it, but it's because it's the truth. It's the squad depth and that's not an and issue. That's a, a, a board issue. That's that's all on the board, this one. That he's still, we're two days, less than two days away now and he's clearly not been given all the funds that he was perhaps promised or give, give, sorry, given all the backing that he was perhaps promised that there's been a few that have already slipped away. Um, and the fact that it's, it's been dragged out till now that he's still, you know, looking for his centre forward, potentially still looking for a left back, looking for a centre half probably as well. Something hasn't, the, the follow through hasn't really came came to merits yet. So that is why we are all so behind this, like whoever he wants, if it's two, three players, because it is going to be that, that he needs the two two decent strikers to, to be reliant on. It's a long season. We're going on how many times is Kyogo getting kicked and booted up and down the park. One of these days he's going to get a hefty injury as well. And then who are you left with? He's not got a lot of confidence bringing on a Yeti. He obviously done so last week, but that's because the game is done. You can't just do it every time you're 5-0 up sort of thing. Edward, who knows where he'll be? Is Griffith still even uh, worth mentioning? There's a lack in, you know, and that's just that's just one position that we're talking about there. Then you're going to be looking at having to play people in false positions, false nines, Ryan Christie, if he even signs. So there needs to be a further backing. And it's because we're invested in this, because we believe in Ange for this coming season, and because he has changed so many of our perceptions, you know, as included and myself included as well, we were sceptical, of course we were, but he's already so quickly changed their opinion and got us behind this sort of motion and notion. So we want to be behind it. But we we need to see that from the club that he that the club are giving him the backing that he deserves. And Russell, if he gets the backing that he deserves, two or three players can make the difference here because it was a fine margin that Celtic lost by yesterday. Because mm-hmm. both teams weren't great. Rangers yep. weren't by any means better than Celtic. They maybe shaded the second half and they shaded it by a goal. No Celtic created opportunities, failed to take them. But this can I, the, the rest of this window could make the difference between a real, you know, title tilt, you know, going toe-to-toe with Rangers and surpassing them at some point in this season, you no know, overtaking yep. them. If you get the right players in and you do get behind Ange and he says, I want him, him and him before the August window shuts. If you get me him, him and him, I'll right the wrongs of yesterday because I know what I'm doing. You know, and I, and I, I believe he knows what he's doing. The Celtic supporters are invested in him. They believe they know what he's doing. You know, it's just a, a, a couple of early setbacks. They make you think, mm-hmm. okay, but with better personnel, we know we're heading in the right direction. 
Absolutely. I think that's actually um, highlighted by the fact, and I don't take this the wrong way about Montgomery because he actually came on and, and did well. But I think if we'd said when Andrew's appointed that when we play Rangers on the 29th of August, Montgomery will be one of the three subs brought onto the pitch, you would have said your instant reaction would be he's not been recruited properly if that's the case. He's not been backed in the recruitment uh, side of things if that's the case. That is what your reaction would have been. Nothing against Montgomery's contribution in the slightest, by the way. That is not what I'm meaning here. Yeah, I yeah. just think if you've seen on paper that he is in your top three options to bring on in a game of that magnitude with only two days of the window left, then you're instant, instinctively going to think, well, if that would be the case, then Ange wouldn't have been back properly in the transfer window up to that point. If we've got two days to sort it, I would like to see Giacomacchus come in. I'd like to see a centre-back coming in. Um, at the very least. Um, and then it'd be up to Ange if he's identified. I think Jota, the winger, is he joining as well? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Jota, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jota's coming in from Benfica. I think that's a loan, but with a view to buy as well. So it gives us more options. You know, that's when you're taking off a badder, you're taking them off on 56 minutes, not 86 minutes, if you've got options like that that you've identified. So these are the fine margins we're talking about. I think... Ange has got a buy-in from the supporters at this moment in time. He now needs a final buy-in from the board before the 31st of August. And let's see what he can do with the squad as he continues to sort of evolve it into being one that's in his image. Amy, what's on your wish list for the next couple of days the, before the August window slam shut, bang shut, as we like to say in media circles? It never just closes. It always bangs no, shut no. Or, sla- or slams <laughs> shut. So what's on the Amy Canavan wish list for Celtic in the next couple of days? I'd like to see Jota, definitely. I think that one's pretty close, Jack and Marcus as well. They would both be interesting. And, you know, I'd like a little surprise. I'd favour a, a left-back, definitely a little bit of cover. Um you don't want to be, you know, bringing in Juranovic to have to be playing him out of position. But you can't really be playing on my head of Tony Ralston right now either, to be fair. So if he's going to get game time, maybe it will have to be out there. That's, you know, that's that's the ideal. It's It's been a decent window, you know. I can't sit here and think that we're going to bring in, you know, 13, 14, 15 quality players. It is going to take time. We have brought in a decent plethora of players, but a few more over the line in the next few hours, um, and, and I'd be happy. Work in progress, Russell, we keep hearing these three words. Will we continue to be a work in progress when we come? When we resume after the international break, or will we hit our stride and start to do string out some wins and get that run that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so. There's evidence there to suggest when we got beat off Tincastle off Hearts, we then bounced back and with a bang. <laughs> you know, with five wins in the trot that we're all with a lot of goals involved, a lot of shots created. So I would like to see us, I'd like to think that we'll we'll bounce back and react like that. I also like the fact that the squad will be beefed up slightly by then as well. It's exciting to think of us signing a new striker who's coming as the top scorer from Holland, you know, uh, you know, and entering the, the peak years of his career. That excites me that we're doing things like that. He's an international as well. Um, I thought Juranovic's debut gave me a lot to be optimistic about and if Scales is to be the competition long term for Taylor at left back or we are to bring in another left back like Amy wants then the battle between Ralston and Juranovic at right back excites me as a fan and that's the level of player we should be doing and that is what I expect of Ange as well to improve players like Ralston that he's got his disposal and he has improved Ralston dramatically in such a short period of time that he's now toe-to-toe with the Croatian international for the right-back slot. That excites me. Why not bring in another centre-back to get Welsh? Welsh to elevate his performances even higher or put pressure on Starfelt, you know, four million or not, there's someone there breathing down your neck. And then when Julian comes back in, you've got four centre-backs going for two positions, you know, two of which will be internationals, hopefully, you know, already. So... The battles like that all across the squad excite me. You've got Jota coming in from Benfica, who was tipped to be an absolute worldie a couple of years ago. He's coming into battle with, you know, Abada, Forrest, whoever it may be in the left, Christy, Kyogo. These are now all international players all competing for, for jerseys. It's brilliant to see that. And yeah, with two or three more before the, uh, the close of play, I think we can look to, you know, remove the work in progress sign and just have at work being put on there, you know. Um, so yeah it should be good 
And on that positive note, Russell, that's a great way of putting it. We'll bend the work at progress and put the at work. At work. And we'll get to work. Hopefully, Angie and the players will get to work. We'll lick our wounds temporarily, but we're positive and we're optimistic about the future. This has been the Monday Club. I've been Tony Haggerty. That's been Russell Boyce. That's also been Amy Canavan. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for watching. I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.